Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. This week on Not Sam Wrestling, I'm remembering to give a little bit of appreciation to a Royal Rumble match that doesn't get it enough. New Ring of Honor signee Dan Moff is on the show and a lot more. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Can I just say happy Royal Rumble week? Can I be the first person to say that to you? Happy Royal Rumble week, huh? This is it. Man, Royal Rumble week. I mean, the Royal Rumble in general. Everything that uh, the Rumble has come to symbolize. It's a lot more than just a, a match. So first of all, I was having a conversation with a friend who's like a, a newer wrestling fan that doesn't even really know the Royal Rumble. I mean, that, 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 that's how crazy wrestling is when you think about it. For most of us listening to this show, we've been watching wrestling all our lives, but there are people that jumped on board this year. I mean, maybe not this year. If you jumped on board this year, it was like last week. It's 2020. But within the last calendar year, new fans have jumped on board. There are people who have never seen a Royal Rumble match. I was having a conversation with somebody who watches now, but has never seen a Royal Rumble match. And I was explaining to them that this, I believe, is the funnest pay-per-view of the year. Mainly because you can watch it with hardcores, you can watch it with lapsed fans, you can watch it with new fans. This is the perfect match to show to people that aren't fans at all, that have never seen wrestling and aren't interested in it. Whether it's because of the gambling you can do, like I know that most people do the pool, you know, where you where you go to a friend's house and everybody draws out an equal number of numbers from one to thirty. If fifteen people are at your house, everybody gets two numbers. If three people are are at your house, everybody gets ten numbers. And whoever wins the number that they came out with as number. 28 wins the Royal Rumble. Whoever drew 28 in your pool wins or whatever it is. I don't know. Lots of people have Royal Rumble games. It's super fun, though. You get a taste of everybody that's in WWE. There's surprises. It's an hour, but it's fast-paced. There's action. And there have been good Royal Rumbles and bad Royal Rumbles for sure. But it's the funnest show of the year. Two of the funnest matches of the year because you've got two Royal Rumble matches now. and. It marks the beginning of WrestleMania season. It marks the the prime time to be a wrestling fan when storylines really start to take shape. You know, this is the time that we can start having conversations about where things are going towards WrestleMania. Does this make sense? Because it has to in the context of WrestleMania. Going forward, as we talk from this week forward, When we talk about storylines, when we talk about matches, when we talk about results, when we talk about everything, 
We talk about them in the context of does this make sense going into WrestleMania 36? And that's exciting. That's fun. I love it. So I'm super excited that Royal Rumble Week is here. And I feel like somebody needs to remind me to do this every Royal Rumble Week. Now, on Thursday, we will have a full Royal Rumble Worlds Collide preview podcast. Thursday, not Sam Thursday. We're going to preview everything. And by then, I'll have concocted some cockamamie theory about what could happen in the Royal Rumble. I mean, it'll, it'll be great. It'll be fantastic. But in the meantime, somebody needs to remind me every Royal Rumble season to bring up this Royal Rumble match because it doesn't get brought up enough, not nearly enough. Royal Rumble 1999. Royal Rumble 1999. The Royal Rumble in which Stone Cold Steve Austin was introduced as number one. Vince McMahon was introduced as number two. And Vince McMahon ended up winning the whole damn thing. Vince McMahon won the Royal Rumble in 1999. And I just saw this. Actually, I just saw this Royal Rumble Sunday evening. As a matter of fact, this could be controversial depending on your perspective, but newsworthy nonetheless. I saw it at the residence of one pretty Peter Rosenberg. And we were waiting for Curb Your Enthusiasm to come on. He puts on some wrestling, and he ends up putting on the 1999 Royal Rumble. And it reminded me of how much I love it. And we've talked about it before, many times actually, on this podcast. Because people don't like it. People look at it as one of the bad Royal Rumbles. But I don't at all. It's a very Vince Russo Royal Rumble. And some people use that in a negative connotation, of course, In, you know, 2020, it is cool to dislike Vince Russo, but, you know, you really can't take away the accomplishments he made specifically in the WWE in the late 90s. You can't sit there. You could say he's not wholly responsible for everything, but you can't sit there and say Vince Russo was not an asset to the WWE in the Attitude Era. You know, it's not a coincidence that he was the head writer and everybody remembers all these storylines. So I don't think it's fair, even if you want to be critical of him now in 2020, I don't think it's fair to be that critical of him in 1998 and 1999. It doesn't make sense because it was a great time. I think, you know, and there are, there are a lot of good Royal Rumble matches. Um, most recently, 2018. Both the men's and the women's Royal Rumble matches, but I think in 2018, specifically for me, the men's Royal Rumble match That's the one that Shinsuke Nakamura ended up winning. You had your moment of uh, the stars of yesterday with Randy Orton and John Cena and Rey Mysterio versus the stars of today with Roman Reigns and Shinsuke Nakamura and Finn Balor. Surprise appearance, by the way, from Rey Mysterio. This was before he was back. Uh, Tons of stuff going on in that Royal Rumble match. Uh, That was the one, of course, uh, Asuka won the Women's Royal Rumble and Ronda Rousey came out and made a surprise appearance. You know, that, it was just, I love the 2018 Royal Rumble match. It matches, really. Of course, 1992 is the classic, the one that Ric Flair won. Um, you know, you've got 1995, I want to say, is the one where the Shawn Michaels one-foot rule was really cemented. You've got uh, uh, whatever it was, 2005, 2006, when... That's just an interesting one when Batista and John Cena accidentally go out at the same time and Vince McMahon has to come out and they 
fix the finish and Vince tears his quads and the whole thing. I, there's a lot of great Royal Rumble matches. But for me, I love 1999 because you have just a, a plethora of stories. Somebody fills their belly with stories and vomits them all over the 20-foot by 20-foot canvas in that ring. So many stories being told throughout the night of the Royal Rumble. And I think people don't like it because it breaks so, tradition so much because Vince and Austin end up leaving the ring and they're fighting in the bathroom and the corporation is there to jump Austin, but they leave through the second rope. You know, they don't go over the top, which means they can run around outside. At one point, Vince McMahon's on commentary. But realistically, I mean, if Vince McMahon is going to win that match and he's coming in at number two, Vince McMahon is not wrestling a 60-minute Royal Rumble match. It doesn't make sense for the character because how could he survive that long? It doesn't make sense for the man because how can he survive that long? I just think it's great because of all the story being told in that match. There's very few matches where there's that amount, and it's and it's just a great microcosm. It just it's it's a it's a great peek into the stories that were being told as 1999 started. I think it's a very, very, very underrated Royal Rumble. I think it's a very non-traditional Royal Rumble. But I think if you like the Attitude Era, if you truly like the Attitude Era, if it's not something that you just say because that's what wrestling fans say now, if you actually like the Attitude Era, and I think that you should, that, to me, is not just the quintessential Attitude Era Royal Rumble match, but it may be the quintessential Attitude Era match. You know, I would say if you're trying to put on a great match, probably WrestleMania 17, Austin versus The Rock. But that was kind of like the grand, I feel like that was the finale of the Attitude Era. But in terms of just a peek into what the Attitude Era was, if you want to show a stranger, hey, what's the Attitude Era that everybody talks about? Can't really go wrong with that 1999 Royal Rumble. So once again, we tip our hat to the 99 Royal Rumble. Uh, We're not going to do a state of wrestling this week. Because uh, we have a long interview, uh, and I want to save stuff for the Thursday, Not Sam Thursday show. This week, my guest is Dan Moff. Dan Moff was recently signed to Ring of Honor, I think only a couple of months ago. And Dan Moff is a guy who was actually in Ring of Honor when Ring of Honor first started for a short period of time. But Dan Moff is a guy who I've known for a very long time, so... I think I've told these stories before, but in, I don't know, right around the end of the first decade of the 2000s, probably, in like maybe 2008-ish, uh, I was working in radio, and I wanted to do stuff in wrestling. Like, I, I just wanted to be more in into the wrestling world. I, the things that I love in life, I like to be as involved and and embedded into those worlds as humanly possible. And I thought there might be some opportunity there. Uh, So I started reaching out to independent promotions and only uh, one got back to me. And it was a guy who was running a a one-off indie show. His name is John Mealy in my hometown of New Rochelle. And they were doing it at my high school, New Rochelle High School. Uh, And so he was like, oh, I mean, this is a no-brainer. He's on the radio, but he's also a graduate of the high school and the whole thing. He can be a a guest judge in the Larry Sweeney versus Larry Barnes wrestler versus boxer match. And that was, it was a thrill for me. I get to get involved. It was awesome. I even uh, carnied my way into a free t-shirt because I go, well, what if, you know, I reveal 
my shirt, I open it up and there's a Larry Sweeney t-shirt underneath it. And he's like, oh yeah, that's good. And I'm like, okay, so can you get me a size medium? Get a free Larry Sweeney t-shirt out of the deal? Sweet and sour. Um, but I met Steve Monsta Mac at that show. And, uh, you know, we hit it off and I was, I kind of explained to him that I wanted to get more involved in stuff like this. And he ended up calling me not too long after that, but not immediately after that to say, Hey, you know, I, I work with a promotion called Jersey all pro wrestling and we need a commentator. Is that something you might be interested in? I said, I would adore doing that. I would absolutely love to do that. And that 15 years ago, uh, well, maybe not 15, at least 10, over 10 years ago. I went to Jersey All-Pro. I started, I became their commentator. I was there for a year and change, I think, before the promotion shut down. And that's where I met Dan Moff. And we we hit it off fairly early on. And we ended up in parallel spaces as I started to do stuff with a promotion called PWS, Pro Wrestling Syndicate. Dan Moff popped up there. Friend of the show, Pat Buck, ended up starting Wrestle Wrestle Pro. I was always around for Wrestle Pro shows. I think I did, yeah, I did a couple of things here and there for Wrestle Pro, but really I've just always been a supporter of them. And Dan Moff was was there with them. And I've watched over the years Dan Moff just continue to evolve and continue to improve and really get to the point where you go to these shows and you don't feel like you're watching a local independent wrestler. You feel like you're seeing a star. Dan Moff at these local independent shows feels like a main event talent. And that's why when I heard that he was signed to Wrestle Pro, I mean to to Ring of Honor. I mean, number one, I became so happy for him because somebody who's put 15 years or more into the this business, into wrestling and just Working, working, improving, improving, finally getting what I feel like he deserves, finally getting the acknowledgement, finally getting to go forward and say, hey, here I am. And getting that contract from a promotion is one of the more inspiring things that you can see. Uh, and I thought, you know, I've, I've wanted to have him on the show and on the podcast for a long time just to talk about his story a little bit. And I said, this is the perfect opportunity. This is the perfect, I mean, what what a way to not only tell the story of how you got here, but to, to have a, a destination, to tell a story with Ring of Honor as the destination. That's the Dan Moff story that I want to have on the podcast. And that's the Dan Moff story that we have this week on the podcast. Uh, the newest member of the Ring of Honor roster, somebody that I've known for a very long time, he is. The Bayonne Badass. He is the Boricua Beast. He is Dan Moff. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. You know, this is a long time coming because we've known each other for a long time. Yeah. For the first time on the podcast, for the first time in the Not Sam studio, the Boricua Beast, right. Dan Moff is here. And I was thinking about my earliest memory of of interacting with you and i think i think that the first time that i interacted with you was at a jersey all pro show obviously definitely and i had come in and they were like sam you and mark have to go get promos mark clemson was the guy who was doing commentary and like i didn't 
know anything about anything. God bless Mark Clemson, who like just walked me through everything. Here's what this means. Here's what we're going to do, blah, blah, blah. Because by that time, Jersey All-Pro was such an established organization that, you know, it was a it was a family. It was a club. And I was like, okay, let me just. And so they were like, okay, go over to Moff and get a promo with Moff. I was like, okay. And I went over to you. Did they giggle? When they <laughs> yeah, because they knew. I didn't know, but they knew. And so I was like, oh, we're going to do a promo. And you're like, okay, all right, we'll do a promo. And I go, they go, primetime Sam Roberts here with Damn Off, Damn Off tonight. And you grabbed the mic and you said, get out of my face. And you grabbed me and threw me into a pile of steel chairs and just did the promo straight to camera. <laughs> and I, and here's what struck me. First of all, as I'm, as I'm lying there next to the chairs, I'm like, you better sell this for as long, <laughs> for as, long <laughs> as this lasts because they, the minute you get up, he's going to put you right back down. But what struck me is, so you do this thing. You went from off to on like that, right? You were ready mm. to throw me into the chairs. You went, and after you had thrown me, you did this probably, I mean, you could go on for five minutes. You could go 10 minutes. You could go 15 minutes, however long anybody needs, right? But you did this promo into the camera. I don't even remember what it was about, but it was like all your promos, Angry, intense, just, ugh. And the minute the camera went off, you started laughing again. Like, hey, man, you okay? And like, and you're back to this jovial guy. And like, and I've watched you through the years. And and that's you. Like, the intensity that you put on, I think, is is one of your trademarks. Have you gotten it to a point now where that's really the way it works? You turn on and turn off like that? Um... I think it's more of a comfort zone. Mm. Um, when you allow me to to be what I'm comfortable showing, you know, um, I just don't want to be like the rest of the pack. I don't want to go out and say, "Hey, this Saturday night, I'm gonna meet you and I'm gonna beat you up." Yeah, and, um, buy a ticket. You know, I want to be a little different. I want to. Um, you know, I want to be intense. I want to have a, a, a sense of, of realism. And, and I also think about, before I cut a promo, I think about a lot of things that have happened to me. Right, so it comes from a real place. They make me angry. So it comes from a real place. And I try to, I try to um, channel the promo into something that's really happened to me. Yeah. No, I mean, I get that. Because every time you cut one of these promos, it seems like, no, 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 no. I know all this is wrestling, but you've crossed a line right now. Mm -hmm. And everything just got real. And there's a believability there. So, like, when you go out to the ring, obviously, when you cut a promo, that's one thing. But when you go out to the ring, you have to embody that, right? Like, right. like that has to translate. You don't have words anymore. So that has to translate from the way you look, your eyes, your body language. Immediately, as soon as you walk out of the curtain, that guy in that promo has to translate to the audience that that's the real guy. So how long does it take you before you go out through the curtain to kind of get into that space where you're thinking about the things that make you angry, where you're kind of, you know, getting to that place? Well, when you're working in front of a live when you're live in a color working in front of a live uh, audience, it's totally different. Mm -hmm. um, you have to focus on what you're delivering. You got to focus on, um, okay, 
what is the main thing, what's the main objective, what's the main line that we want to hit in this promo, um, what are the key elements of the promo, you got to focus, but uh, you also have to, I also like to put myself in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like to put myself in the moment, and I like to be in the moment instead of just um, playing along in the moment. I like to put myself in the moment. Does that make sense? Completely. Yeah. So, um, which is difficult to do because if you're in the moment and you also have to remember, because a promo by nature is a promotional thing. Yes. You're, you're selling something. When you're in the ring, when you're in front of the audience, that's the product that you've been selling. Now we get to do this thing. But a promo, while it's part of the art of everything, it's also that's the selling part, right? That's yeah. where I'm trying to convince you to come to the show, to buy the DVD, to do the thing. So when you're in that moment and you have to remember, I secretly have to be a salesman here. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to, you have to balance those two, right? And I don't think there's ever a perfect promo. Mm -hmm. I think there's always a promo where you, you say, ah, I shouldn't have said that. Or, oh man, I, I paused that second or <laughs> I should have said this or I should have said that, and, you know, but it's uh, usually, I usually get the, Hey man, you know, you nailed it. You know, but there's sometimes where I'm like, oh, my God, that was terrible. It was like, I know it wasn't. <laughs> but in your head, you're going, because you're focusing on that little thing. Right. And now, now that I remember, like, a lot of the promos that they would send you to do with me, yeah, they would send them at awkward moments. I mean, the most awkward. Yeah. But that's what made our stuff so good. Right, because it was, it was, like, authentic. Like, it would literally be either sometimes intermission when you're trying to figure out like okay maybe you're the first match after intermission mm -hmm. it would be right after the show where you're still on that adrenaline high mm -hmm. and at the same time like the ring's getting torn down and 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 you know all these emotions are just flooding through and it's like hey talk to me about the next match talk to me about what happened in this match but and, they would send you but well. they would all watch <laughs> they say watch this yeah. Like, yeah. They say, you know and they you would just go and and listen to your God bless you, man. You were aggressive and you were professional and you knew and you knew enough at that point. He's like, all right, I'm going to, something's going to happen here. Because I just react. I'm just like, I go off the cuff and yeah. just react naturally to me. I say, Sammy, just don't worry about nothing. Trust me, I'm never going to hurt you, but just act natural. That's it. And you would ask me things, and then I, I would like my headache with you was your hair. <laughs> That's right? right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I would say, yeah. I would I would be cutting a promo, and all of a sudden I would go back to your hair. Like it was almost like me just standing there, and my hair being my hair. Yeah. Like you are distract. I'm trying to deliver this message, and that hair is bothering me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and even 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 Kenny, remember that was the, the Kenny Omega days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Kenny would say, "Man." We had great chemistry with that guy <laughs> because we would just we would go with each other, yeah. and then I would go back to you and say that hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it was awesome, like I said. Yeah, it was. A, it was. It was. It was an amazing time, and I, yeah, I mean, I think back at all the people that were around then, and you talk about Kenny Omega, yeah. like it's 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 wild. All the people that had gone through Jersey All Pro. So for those that don't know, and I feel like in the last month or so there's been a whole new level of exposure to who you are and, and what you do you know signing with ring of honor obviously a huge step and you know here on the east coast 
I think you've, you know, in the, in the New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia area, you've made a name for yourself completely on your own over the last 15 years. Yeah. And it's almost one of those things where you were just our guy, right? And then all of a sudden, Ring of Honor scoops you up. Had you gotten to a place where you had settled in and said, okay, my career, because I'm sure, I'm sure when you start, you're going, I'm doing this right now, but then I'm going to go to WWE, and then I'm going to go to WrestleMania, and then I'm going to win the championship. Like, that's literally everybody's plan until life happens, and you go, okay, where do I actually fit in wrestling? And, you know, you start to see the whole business. Did you get to a place where you're like, okay, this is what I'm doing, and this is good? Well, um, I got to a point where I, was, I just, I settled. I said, you know, this is what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I was put here for a reason. Um, and I was, the things that have happened to me have all happened to me so I can be here for this moment, which is teaching younger kids and getting them ready for that next step to go to a possible um, interview for the WWE or an NXT tryout or, you know, um, that's where I met Pat Buck. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like meeting Pat Buck totally changed my life. Really? Um, yeah. Um, when I went to uh, Pro Wrestling Syndicate, which later turned on to, turned into WrestlePro. Yeah. Um, just sitting under Pat Buck's learning tree and, uh, seeing the different aspects because I, I had come, I had already, I was already grizzled and on the, I, I had been through the independent grind mm-hmm. as, as you could say, but um, I, I also, I learned as much as I could at JAP from Fat Frank and then at Ace um, with Mike Morgan, I was learning the different aspects of that's where I learned how to really cut a promo or how to um, tell a story. Right. How to really tell a story and how to, how, to, how to take an angle and drag it out for eight months to a year and really get the most out of it. Which, by the way, an insanely difficult thing to do when you don't have television, right? Like, you got to do this angle, which means that if you're dragging an angle out for eight months on the independence, you have to just have the faith that people are coming back to every show. Yeah. So that that's the only way you can really see the story. I mean, there were DVDs back then and everything, but that's really, you know, that's a small percentage. It was about the people that were coming to every show yeah. and then hopefully, right, telling their friends, hey, this thing happened at this show. You got to come with me next month because we're going to get to see the next chapter and whatever this is. Oh, man. Like, we were, I remember um, myself and Mo Sexton, mm-hmm. which is Mario Boker. Right? Yeah. Um, I, I met him at Ace, and Mike Morgan showed me. I was watching something, and I saw the way he took a super kick mm-hmm. from Jay Lethal mm-hmm. to end the show. And they ended the show that way, and people were leaving the venue, and he was still laying down the same way. He, I said, I want to meet this guy. I said, I got to. Mike said, no, you got. You have to work this guy. He says, this is the program that I want. I said, Okay. So lo and behold, I was supposed to wrestle Steve Carino. Um, Steve, for one reason or another, um, couldn't show up. Um, so Mike said, 
listen, there's no better time than the present. Let's do this now. So I said, okay, well, what do you want to do? She says, let's do you and Sexton tonight. I said, there's maybe 35 people there. <laughs> but those 35 people were calling. Yeah. Other people was like, listen, it's happening tonight. <laughs> so before you knew it, there was like 125 people there. So people were showing up. Yes. Based on the, on the fact. So they announced like beginning of the show or right before the show or whatever it is. Hey, this is the match that's happening tonight. Yes. Hey, guys, look, as WrestleMania week approaches, we go deeper and deeper into our hobbies. We go deeper and deeper into our passion for wrestling. The problem is that your partner is going to expect you to go deeper and deeper into them. Do you know what I'm saying here? There was a time, I'm sure, when just the flirtation of physical intimacy was enough to have the front of your pants looking like a tent pole. Just the thought, just the thought that you might have some kind of physical interaction, sexually speaking, was enough to have your pelvis standing at full attention. Do you remember those days? They're not here anymore. We get so busy. We get so caught up in the day-to-day -day nonsense that sometimes we don't remember. It is very important, not only for our partner, but for ourselves to know that we are always able to satisfy our partner. That when you get into the bed to lay down with the person that you love more than anything else on this planet, they need to go, wow, where did that come from? And how can you guarantee that that's going to happen? How do you know that you're going to get that wow? If you don't know that you're going to get that reaction, just that lack of confidence might be enough for you not to be able to give it to them. How about if I told you you could get your confidence back? How about if I told you that you could have the confidence to know that the next time you betted your partner, they were going to say, holy Toledo, I think I got me a live one. Where on earth did that come from? And you could tell them it came from the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. They're going to say, what are you talking about, Sam Roberts? And you're going to be able to say, well, Sam Roberts was able to hook me up with Blue Chew. Blue Chew, the fine folks at Blue Chew are the ones bringing you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. Anytime you need them, day, night, they're chewable. They work up to twice as fast as the pill does. You can be hungry. You can have a full stomach. Whatever you need, Blue Chew is ready for you. It's prescribed online by licensed physicians. You know what that means? You don't have to go to a doctor's office. You don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy. It gets right to your door and it's in discreet packaging. Your neighbors aren't gonna know. Nobody's going to know. You know who's going to know? The person who feels those effects. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Blue Chew's made in the USA. Blue Chew prepares and ships direct. They're cheaper than a pharmacy. And best of all, no more awkwardness. No more awkwardness with your partner asking, what happened to the man that I committed to being with? No more awkwardness from your doctor going, you really need that stuff, huh? No more awkwardness waiting in the pharmacy. Do you, do, do, you have my, do, do you have my prescription? You never have to say that. You just wait for that discreet little envelope to arrive to your door, and boom, you know it's time for lovemaking whenever anybody needs it. And right now, I got a special deal just for you. How about you try it for free? There's no risk here. 
Go to BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free. Just use our promo code ROBERTS. All you have to pay is 5 bucks for the shipping. That's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code ROBERTS, to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And people were like, well, we weren't going to go to the show, but let me... Right. Wow. Because it's it was such a tight-knit community. Yeah. In Union City. Yeah. It was in the neighborhood. It was right in the mix of the Latino neighborhood. So they're like, listen, this is going down right now. You have to get here. But isn't that interesting? And that's such a good lesson that, like, that those you guys have been built so well in those home independent groups that even when you had somebody like Steve Carino, who was kind of developed this name outside right. and was coming in, because the general thinking is, well, we'll get these names from the outside, and they're the ones that are going to come in and, and draw them draw the money. The, the, people are going to buy tickets to see them. Absolutely. And what had happened was people bought tickets to see the guy, the match that they had wanted to see that had been built yes. over the course of, of shows. Yeah. So now we do the match, and we do a title change. It's like, oh my God, I was the place completely. Now, the next time, when I got there, there was 30 people. Mm -hmm. Now, every show is sold out. That's wild. Now, every show is because they are totally hooked. Right. Because now, Moff has a problem with Sexton, and they're both baby faces. Right. And the crowd both loves them. But they hate each other. But they professionally respect each other, but they can't stand each other. Yes. (laughs) Because this guy wants to be the best, and this guy wants to be the best. Yeah. And this, you know, so, like, the angle was just told so incredibly. It was was just, it's the greatest angle I've ever done. Um, It ended up. I love that. It's Hogan Warrior for Union City. And it it was, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. Um, I don't think there's ever been an angle that I've ever been a part of. It it has been so emotionally invested than the angle between Mo Sexton, Danny Moff, and Matt Morgan. Mike Morgan at eighth. And why do you think that is? Like, why, why is it, is it just lightning in a bottle? Is it the, the, you can't. Like, why can't that be repeated into the next one and the next one and the next one? And the- Because Mike just had, he had an incredible, he has an incredible mind, mm-hmm. right? But he just needs the resources. He needs the right people mm-hmm. in the right place. So, well, so let's let's go back a little bit because I mean, I think a lot of people who are around, you know, grew up in the generation that I grew up in know... <laughs> especially on the East Coast, no Jersey All-Pro. And I didn't even realize until recently that you, when you started teaming with Steve, with Monster Mac, Steve Mac, and you guys were the hit squad, that that was the first thing that you really did in wrestling. Oh, yeah. Like, I had known, obviously, when I came in and I met you, I knew you from the hit squad, I knew you from the history of Jersey All-Pro and everything. But it wasn't until, like, it was when I was like, okay, I'm going to talk to him. I was like, what was he doing before Jersey All-Pro? And I was like, training, nothing. Like that was, you came in and you you were you were the hit squad, which was a big enough deal on the East Coast Indies that it actually brought you guys to Ring of Honor when Ring of Honor first started. Right. So it was, a, it, it was a huge deal. What is it like for somebody, I mean, you grew up with wrestling. Your dad was a 
promoter and a referee and so wrestling's been around you forever but you didn't know you were going to be a wrestler no my dad hated it right right so when you what is it like for somebody who goes in for training didn't even realize they were going to be a wrestler goes to the training obviously you're a natural you know you're an athlete and you grew up with it and you love it so those three things generally get a good product um but when you get out of school and immediately you're a hit Right. Immediately the act is a hit. It's one of Jersey All Pro's biggest thing. This was a time when Jersey All Pro I mean, literally Jersey All Pro was making so much news, you guys were on national news no. going like this is the new controversial wrestling, blah blah blah. And you guys were a big part of that. You go to Ring of Honor, which is the I mean, it's billing itself as the best of the best of the independents. That was the whole reason Ring of Honor existed. Were you able to stay on level ground were you able to go okay this is cool but or were you kind of so young in the business that either it went to your head or you just i was young and stupid you were yes absolutely yeah. young and stupid um i i feel like the hit squad thing was, was was awesome and um we were over and like i said the only reason why i have so many answers now with all my students and stuff, say, so, oh, you have all the answers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I've made all the mistakes. Right. <laughs> right, so you can see now, when you see a student, right, that's starting to get a little buzz around him early, and you see the attitude start to change, you go, whoa, whoa, like you see it. Right. And you can be the guy that goes, no, I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly what you're going through. I know what you're doing, and trust me when I tell you that it feels right in this moment, but long term, you're going to regret this. Right. Yeah, because you did that. Mm-hmm. So what was that thing? Like, was it just a matter of you believing your own hype? I think it's believing your own hype, being put, and also being put in a position that we were put in. Um, but also coming from the indies where it was a dog-eat-dog -dog world. Right. Especially right. in that late 90s, yeah, early 2000s, that getting that into, yeah. was like, listen... You know, either you fight for yours mm -hmm. or it's going to get taken from you. Yeah, that was kind of the, the end of that sort of fight for your spot era. Like, yeah. these are the spots, and whoever fights for them gets those spots. And you had to hold that spot because every night somebody was going to come and try to, you know, hit you on the chin as hard as they could, and they were going to try to light up your dashboard, your check engine light. They would try to, you know, turn on your check engine light. Mm-hmm. You know, and they would literally try to take your spot. Either if they could not perform you, they were going to take it from you. Uh -huh. And they were going to be the guy. Yeah, we're the guy who knocked, you know, the hit squad out. Right. We're, we're you know, we're the guys who, 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 who um, you know, who finally kicked the hit squad's ass. Yeah, because that was an era where it's like, if the hit squad, if you did get knocked out, Cole, say, in a match. And it happened to me. If you weren't able to get back up or maintain that sort of mystique, if you had to get helped out on a stretcher or something like that, that's the end of the hit squad, right? Yeah. And somebody else gets to wear that as a badge of honor, even though it's like, you scumbag. You just, I'm trusting you with my body. You knocked me out just so you could be the guy who did that. But that's the world that you lived in. And it wasn't easy for us to make things look as real as they could. Yeah. Safely. Right. I mean, one of the most famous clips of you guys is 
Like you, you were Jersey All Pro would wrestle in this venue where there was a wall right next to the ring and a ceiling and the ceiling, right? And your your calling card became we used everything around us, just picking up guys and darting them into the wall, or picking guys up and throwing them into the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're the right. Fans loved it. The fans would lose it because you can't. As a fan, you're looking at that going. You don't, that's not, you can't do that safely. Like you look at that going, okay, they just crippled that man for my amusement. <laughs> this yeah. is what they do. Yeah. I believe them. So I'm, so guys must've hated you then. The fact that you and Mac were young guys and you got out of school and you were a hit and, and you were making money and you had that spot and people were going to Jersey all pro shows to see you and people were going to ring of honor shows and, and all of a sudden people are talking about you. That was not an era when young success was celebrated by everybody right right um you know a lot of the um older guard mm -hmm. yes of the in independence it, it was hard coming up because a lot of places didn't want us because they didn't want change right so right because you brought that sort of authentic roughneck yeah style something that wasn't being done no so you know, when we walked in the door, you know, or when we would inquire to offer our services for this promotion, and be like, nope. Because <laughs> like, half the locker room was saying no. Right. So, okay. So, and why was it, was half the locker room saying no? Because they were legitimately, no, this doesn't work for us? Or was it because, no, well, they're going to come in and take our spots over here? Well, we don't no, want them here. Number one, they didn't want to give us a spot. Number right. two, they were scared. Because um, they didn't want to get thrown up in the ceiling. Number three, we were walking into a locker room where it's like, okay, probably none of you guys have ever gotten into a real fight in your lives. Right. Okay, and now we're coming in and we're going to totally look different. Because you know what a fight looks like. And we're going to be different. Yeah. So it's like bringing chaos mm -hmm. into a church. <laughs> right, okay. right. It's like, oh, we don't want this. <laughs> yeah, you know. But it's like, hey. And my selling point was, he's like, listen, okay, we're a little rough around the edges. Um, you know, we may be a little crazy, but I guarantee you that by the end of our match, we will have your entire crowd chanting our name. And we will change the way things are done here. Mm -hmm. And people, more people will come see us. And you, you listen, you can put us at the bottom of the card. Put us wherever you want. Give us a few months. And you will not have a choice but to main event us. So that's, what you, that's what you have to do. And that's one of those things, right, where... You would think a logical person would go like, oh, well, that sounds pretty good. Like, we'll get some new main eventers. You know, he's guaranteeing this is going to work. Okay, great. But the people that are trying to protect their main events and people that are trying to protect, no, we've got a nice way of doing things here, and it's worked out really well for all of us. We don't want disruptors. Disruptors, well, generally, they're good for the overall picture. They're bad for the people that are trying to maintain the status because it's good for them. Yeah, but you also have you also aren't aren't getting any more than 150 people right in your, in your seats. Right, like you want to do you want a main event for 150 people, or do you want to go on maybe semi main event, and we'll get 400 people, 300 people, 500 people. Well, the hardest thing was selling it to the promoter first. Yeah, and having the promoter 
believe in what we were saying, which was absolutely, we had the, uh, the best intentions. But it's also wrestling where everybody's selling themselves and, right. and, and you know, now carnies the, are everywhere. Now the promoter has to sell this to the talent. So now the promoter ultimately is the end all be all. He says, listen, okay, this is what I want. Okay, I want these guys in. And I said, we tell them, I said, listen, the proof is in the pudding. Look at what we've done here. Mm-hmm. Look at what we've done here. Look at what we've done there. Look at what we've done there. All successful houses, all sellouts, and we're main eventing, and everyone goes promotions. I said, so well, well, what we're telling you isn't a lie. Right. But at the same time, you're right. They have to now sell it to the talent, and the talent's not really trying to hear that. Right. Until the talent has dealt that card where, listen, okay, well, this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Then it happens. Mm-hmm. Now you have the talent is a little leery. We are, by nature, we just, we're not shy, and we're not, um, we don't shy away from anything. We we didn't shy away from anything. And I think that the beauty of us was that we didn't crumble in the moment. Um, if we knew you were scared and we knew you were worried, then we would try to fix that in the back before we even walked out of the curtain. Okay, so you're not the type that's like going like, okay, good. Then you're no. going to come out looking scared of us, and we're going to take advantage of no. the fact that, yeah. We would try to fix that. Uh-huh. We'd say, listen, what's the problem? What's the matter? What's going on? So, look, we've been doing this for such and such, you know, just trust us, man. It's going to be okay. And you know what, man? We would go out there and we'd have a match. Mm-hmm. And we would all come back. And now the talent is telling the promoter, these guys are great. <laughs> And the promoter's saying, yeah, I told you. Yeah. And we're turning, we're telling the promoter, you see? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now it's it just took that one. And now the that guy will, and now everyone else was, wait a minute, what are they doing out there? Like, well, you know, well, we want some of that too. Right. So right. now the whole, now we have a locker room that's now, uh, now wants a piece of the hit squad and wants to get in there and mix it up. And that's what we wanted. So what do you think you were doing wrong in that era? Like as, as a young person, as, as a kid that was gone, do you think it was, you weren't sensitive enough to the fact that like logically now, because you've been around for as long as you have, you could see, Oh, I get why people didn't want us around. I get why people didn't like us. They, they weren't right. Mm-hmm. But I understand their perspective now. Cause you've seen as much as you've seen. Do you think that the problem was that you didn't understand their perspective? You just saw a bunch of guys that, didn't want you around and that that bothered you well it, it sometimes it would bother us and sometimes it would motivate us right you know but um either either way you know we we dealt with it right and either we dealt with it by knocking it totally out of the park mm-hmm. or we not or we dealt with it by earning your respect right you know what was the like look with your case right yeah you were like holy shit oh my god this guy yeah. And then when it was over, was like, Sam, you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was awesome. That was good stuff. Yeah. You know? But you also probably know that if I'm the type of person that goes like, you can't put your hands on me. Okay, he's not, he shouldn't be here. You know what I mean? Like, he shouldn't be here. Well, yeah, I would try to probably tell you, listen, Sammy, you know, you can't be that uptight. Yeah, it's okay. It's wrestling, man. Yeah. You know, I would give you a hug, man. Right. See, it's not that bad. Right. Bro. But luckily, like, I've been watching long enough <laughs> yeah. that as soon as I get thrown, I'm like, that was the greatest thing ever. 
Everybody's yeah. going to love that. And nobody got hurt. Nobody got Everything. hurt. I'm fine. And people are going to remember, like, oh, look at him throw the interview. It was a locker room sellout. It's great. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And everybody got such a kick out of it. Um, so uh, what, was the, what was the Ring of Honor locker room like back then? Oh, back then. Okay. Because, I mean, that's the very beginning of Ring I'm going to rattle off some names to you. Okay. Simone Joe. <laughs> the hit squad. Mm-hmm. Loki, mm -hmm. Doug Williams, mm -hmm. Dan O'Brien, <laughs> AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, yeah, uh, Jody Fleisch, uh -huh. um, just Trent Acid, yeah, uh, the Backseat Boys, yeah, of course, the SAT. I mean, literally, Xavier. These are. <laughs> And for those of you, by the way, that don't know, like guys like Xavier and Trent Acid and people like that, because I mean, do some research because these guys are incredible. And every name you just mentioned, Xavier was the second Ring of Honor incredible world champion, incredible. You know, and all of them with chips on their shoulders. Yeah, you needed that. Deserve chips on their shoulders, but all of them sitting there going, "Well, I'm, I'm the best." Yep. Every single person that you just mentioned, I have to believe that in that era is sitting there young, knowing that they're the best. Oh man, we were hungry. Yeah. Man, if you ever, the best way I can describe this, and I was talking to Jay Lethal about this mm -hmm. this weekend in, um, in Georgia. The best way you could, you could describe the feeling when you walked through that locker room at the, uh, I believe it was called the what was it called? Where Ring of Honor? Where Ring of Honor first started. Where was it, in Baltimore? No, no, no. It was in Philadelphia. It was called the, the Murphy Rec the Murphy Rec Center. I think that's right. The Murphy yeah, Rec yeah, Center. Yeah. If you walk through that locker room downstairs, mm -hmm. it took you to Rocky Three, where Apollo took Rocky after Mick passed away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he took him back. TC Rock, you see what they got? They all got the eye of the tiger. They all got that look. They said we all had that look, that snarl. You know, it's like, but we all knew, and we all respected each other. Right. You know, but we knew we were there for a reason. Right. Yeah, and, and I'd have to imagine anybody that came into that environment without that attitude. Yeah, there's no way you'd survive. They weren't there again. Right, yeah. right. They weren't there again. So that ends up running its course. How did that end up being done? The, as far as... In Ring of Honor, the first time. How was, that, how was everything done? No, no, no. How did you end up being all finished with the first time around Ring of Honor? Okay. Um, the first time I uh, ended up uh, with the whole... Ring of Honor thing. I had broken away from the Hit Squad. Mm -hmm. um, right, because that's when they decided that the I mean, the Hit Squad had done everything that the Hit Squad can do right. as a tag team. Right. Now it's time to see what you and Mac can do separately. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, the office was really, well, Gabe was really interested in seeing, um, you know, where, where I, I well, he, he knew I had a lot of range. Yeah. Um, and he, he knew that in some facets of some on some aspects of it, I was kind of being held back 
being in a team. He's like, well, you're always going to be a mid-carder as a team. Mm-hmm. And you're never going to really know. Um, he says, the time is now, you know. And a lot of other promoters were feeling the same way. So, Were you feeling that way? I was scared. Yeah. I was scared because um, I didn't know anything else. Right. I was always with Steve. And all you'd known is success with that. And all I had known was success. Right. And, you know... And when I wasn't sure of something, I sat under the I sat under the learning tree for a long time mm-hmm. because I was the least experienced out of out of the two of us. Mm-hmm. And I sat under the homicide and low key learning tree forever. And you know, and the whole thing with Steve, you know, um, he was a little more experienced than I was. He wasn't working a lot, but he was very experienced. And he had to be patient, and he had to show me the way. But when we finally clicked, it clicked, it clicked hard. Right. And now we're in Ring of Honor. You know, it's like, okay. You guys have done everything you can do. Uh-huh. <clears throat> like, what's next? Yeah. You know? So it's all right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna try to do this. You know, Steve. You know, Steve. Steve didn't like it. Um. Understandably, you know, I, if I was in the same position, I wouldn't have liked it either. Um, I was being a little more favored. Sure. At the time, they were they, they were showing um, some less uh, interest than Steve. Steve kind of saw the writing on the wall. You know, he wasn't too happy about it. Um, I was worried because I was like, okay, well, if this doesn't happen. Uh, we're either going to be mid cars or we're not going to be here too long. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's one of those things, too. Like when somebody like at a job, right, if somebody comes to you with a promotion and they go like, here, we got this for you. And you say, no, thank you. I'm comfortable where I'm at. You're probably not going to be at the job too long. Right. They're going to be okay. All right. You stay here. You got it then. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. Stay comfortable. And then six months down the road, the position's no longer a position. We're we're, we're terminating the position. It's not you. We're restructuring the position. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I thought we were good here. No, we're good. But how about that other thing we talked about? No, no, no. That's off the table. Position's been filled. Yeah. uh, Georgie uh, filled it already. Yeah. Isn't he doing great, by the way? Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how it goes. Right. I mean, it's the cold, hard truth. That's how it is. Right. So, we went ahead and we we did what we did, and uh, man, I uh, Gabe told me he says you're gonna hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. I said, really? He says, yeah, you're gonna hit the ground running, man. I'm gonna strap the rocket to you, and we're gonna go. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. I said, well, well, what are we gonna do? He says, I'm gonna put you with Christopher Daniels. You're gonna be in the prophecy, and you're gonna be the first guy to pin Smoke Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold, that's what that's what he did. And uh, and I've seen Gabe before, and and I've told him this, and I just I just felt like it was too much too soon for me to handle. Now, right now, Danny Moff today, the Bayonne badass, he would not have no problem handling the the handling the the pressure. You know, the, the pressure to produce and the pressure in the spotlight. And, okay, this is the spot. Yeah, I like it. I love it. Give me more pressure. Pressure's a privilege. 
and I'm a firm believer that right. pressure is a priv is a privilege. Right. And I mean, it's opportunity, right? That's why it feels the way it feels. I mean, the reason pressure is pressure is because this could either go really good or really bad. But that's what opportunity feels like. Yeah. And somebody, somebody believes in you enough right. to put that pressure on your lap. Yep. And believes that you can handle and believes that you can produce. Let's go. But, I mean, the way we're wired, there are times in our lives when we can handle it. There are times in our lives when we can't. Yeah. Like, there are times, like, you need it life experience exactly before you can really know you can go like oh it's really great that they think that i could do it but if you don't know that you can do it because you haven't had that experience there's not much you could do right mm -hmm. but i feel like if i wouldn't have and i wouldn't necessarily say i failed mm -hmm. but if i wouldn't admit that hey that was too much too soon for me mm -hmm. you know um, I didn't know how to handle that position at that moment, at that time. Mm -hmm. But I do now. Like, that got me ready for now. Right. I mean, there's something nice about it. Like, because when you're young and you see other people getting opportunities, this is wrestling, this is anything, any walk of life. You're young, you see other people getting opportunities, you get jealous, you get insecure, you get like, why not me? Like, I'm ready for that. He shouldn't get that opportunity. I should get that opportunity. And then you move on in your life and you you know, whether you got the opportunity or not, you know, you know what, I it's a good thing I didn't get that opportunity. Yeah. I wasn't ready for it. And lo and behold, you see the guy that did get the opportunity mm -hmm. and nine times out of 10, it didn't work out for him because he was in the same boat as you. Yeah. He wasn't ready for it either. Absolutely. And it's sometimes a blessing when you don't get the opportunity, you know? Absolutely. You know, I see that, I see that a lot of times um, in the real world and yeah, you know, and, and, and wrestling, it's like, okay, sometimes it's a blessing, right? In disguise, you know, not to get everything that you wanted, right? Okay, but you're getting what you need, yes, which is the experience, yes, which is the hurt, yeah, it's got to hurt a little bit, mm -hmm. and you know, and, and, and you're getting the experience of how to last, how to ride the wave, how to come back. And you tough times don't last. Tough people do. Yes. You know, and you have to ride through that. You got to keep going, man. And you also make these connections that you have no idea. The relationships that you make along the way, you don't know until 10 years yeah. later how important this one was or that one was. We talked about Pat Buck. This one right here. I mean, there's so many people that I talked to from Jersey All Pro that, like, when I was going down and just doing shows and doing commentary and going to either Jersey City or Rawway once a month. It was just like, cool. I wanted to do some commentary on the indies. And this is, I had no idea how many of those people would be in my life today just through happenstance. It's incredible. It's incredible. It blows yeah. my mind all the time. It blows my mind. Especially because after Ring of Honor, you considered leaving wrestling for a period of time, right? Right. And you decided to come back as a solo act, back to Jersey All Pro, back to back to where you had been as a tag team act, um, and once five, five years, five four or five years it took I took off. Wow. Yeah. Do you ever regret that? Knowing like, okay, that's four or five years that could have been. I could have been growing. I could have been in my prime. This could have happened. That could have happened. Or knowing what you know now, and based on where you're at now, are you going? Maybe that's what I needed then. Every day, you know, I think about it. Um, 
But I also say, maybe I needed that, those four or five years for my body to heal. Yeah, because I mean, you know, and you hear it all the time, I know. People are in awe of the stuff that you can do today based on not only how long you've been doing it, but the level to which you've been doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's prob you're probably right. Taking that period where you got four or five years to yeah. let the body rest, you get to start up again instead of putting that damage. I don't think if you've been wrestling on that level for an additional four or five years in the middle there, today doesn't look like today, right? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Um, you know, and, and, and I needed that itch. Mm -hmm. You know, I needed that itch. I needed to miss it. I think I needed to miss it. Yeah. To get better at it. And I think that's when I figured wrestling out when I was out that time. So were you still, like, you didn't, when you left, you didn't just cold turkey, I don't want anything to do with wrestling. I'm done with wrestling. Oh, no. You were still the same level, you, you were a fan. I think I became a bigger fan. Yeah. Because now I'm wrestling. Now I'm totally in in, in tune on Monday nights. I was watching the, um, the Tough Enoughs. Yes. I was watching... You know, I was still watching the old stuff. Yeah. But every day I was watching wrestling, and I was just why I was just study. One of the things that, like, just I wanted to figure out was okay, Ric Flair. Mm -hmm. He did all these great American bashes and everything, and I hear the legend of him doing seven uh, Broadways. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes two a day. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how did he do this? So I said, let me see how he did. So I would watch, I would religiously watch his matches. I was like, wow. This is how he did this, is how he did 60 minutes. This is how he held people at attention for 60 minutes. Yeah. This is how he lasted the 60 minutes. I said, I kept, I would watch it over and over and over and over. Sometimes with no sound. Just to get the body movement. Right. Just to understand the body language and understand how he's using every single tool in the toolbox mm -hmm. to make this something that he can do night in, night out, night in, night out, night in, night out. Him and Steemo were just masters. Yeah. Him and Dusty. Mm -hmm. You know, Dusty, was, he didn't look like he was physically... Uh, you know, able to do 60 minutes, but he went out there and did them. Yeah. And not once in a, not once a month. Yeah. Yeah. Every night. Yeah. Yeah. So like, this is, those are the things that like, they would blow my mind. I was like, and then I would watch and at the same, in the same token, mm -hmm. I would watch Joe versus Punk. Mm -hmm. It's like, let's see how these guys did it at a different level. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow. And I was like, it's amazing. I want to get to that level one day, you know. And um, but that's so interesting that you were away from wrestling, and you still—that's how you know you weren't done, because you still had that thing. You wouldn't be studying, because you're not watching as a fan. You're studying yeah. to figure out how it's done so you can do it, which means you know at some point you're bound to come back. It was my magnificent obsession. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. I watched this, and I would fall asleep with the controller in my hand. Mm-hmm. You know, I would always fall asleep with control in my hand and watching stuff every day, every single day. And by the way, this is before 
WWE Network. This is before all that yes. stuff. So this is when you actually had to do some work. Yes. To get all this footage, right? Yeah. So just watching everything and everything, watching it over and over and over and over again. It was just like, and then at this one point, it's just, I said, I'm ready. And I called Frank. Who was running Jersey All-Pro. Yeah. yeah. And he said, hello? I said, Danny? <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, holy God. <laughs> he said, hold on a second. I said, what? He said, hold on. So I hear some rubbish. He says, all right, I'm back. He says, what, what, what'd you do? He said, I stood up. <laughs> I only have one question for you. I said, I called you. He said, shut up. <laughs> I have one question for you. He says, what? I said, are you ready? I said, yeah. That's awesome. He said, let's go. Said, right. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. I don't need a whole, like, five years later, it's a one-sentence conversation. That's it. And you were ready. That was it. And you were back in. Yeah, man, because, I mean, and that must have been right around the time that I met you. Yes. You know, within that year. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea. When you came around, it was, like, it was Kenny Omega was our champion. Yep. It was the very, it was the tail end of Kenny Omega's the Jersey Hill, All Pro. The Hillbilly Wrecking Crew. Love the Hillbilly Wrecking Crew. Those guys, those guys, you talk about the hit squad being scary. They literally, I'm sitting there. I was scared. <laughs> you were. What, what with those guys walking around? So the Hillbilly Wrecking Crew was, uh, it was Brody Lee. Who's, you know, Luke Harper. Necro Butcher. Necro Butcher. And this was when Necro Butcher was at Necro Butcher Prime. Uh, Trevor Murdoch? Trevor did come in. Yeah. The Briscoes. The Briscoes came in. Nick, was, Nick Gage. Yes. Nick Gage. And, this, and I mean, Nick Gage, not, I feel like Nick Gage has, uh, has gained a level of appreciation. Oh, yeah. This was terrifying Nick Gage. Yeah. Like I was, I was sitting there going like, okay, this is fun to be at this show. But I'm not getting promos from, from those guys. I'm I'm not doing it. And let me tell you something. It was that was chaos. But again, you need chaos. Yeah. They had the hit squad. Yeah. They didn't have it anymore. Right. They need chaos. It was one of those things where I was like, I want to. I, I mean, even sitting there working there, I was like, I want to see what the hillbilly wrecking crew is going to do on this show. Then, it's gonna be a thing. And then when the record, when the hillbilly record crew jumped on me and Lethal, yes, and we stopped fighting each other to fight against them, yeah, it was like wow. It was like Jersey All Pro, the Pandora's box had opened again. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, like you know, you're talking about Rahway, you're talking about Jersey City, you're talking about towns mm -hmm. where hillbillies. <laughs> And people who put, you know, and their promos were like, dude, right on the edge of. <laughs> I mean, it was not right a, on the edge of HR disasters. Yeah, you know I was I mean? sitting there going like, and I mean, you teetering, one foot dangling, you over and like, I'm like, don't yeah. you? I, like, we are one step away from burning a cross. Yeah, in this yeah. in this building. You want to talk about it? You know, and and oh man, yeah. But it was great. Yeah. It was great. And it was like they were, you, you, there was no choice but to boo them. It wasn't even like cool to cheer them. You booed them for all the right reasons. Yeah. And, they loved, and then you they and Lethal, like, them. yeah. Yeah. 
And how could you not? And also, I mean, you and Lethal had established yourselves to the point where you were kind of that babyface lifeblood yeah. of Jersey All Pro. You I were the tried and true fan. Yes. Yes. And he was the kid who walked in the door. Yes. So it was like, what better fabric and fiber than yeah that, which happens to be the opposite side, which happens to be the hillbilly wrecking crew. Right. Which hated anything of color. Yes. Yes. So it was like the perfect, it was the perfect storm, man. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. When, uh. When Jersey All Pro kind of petered out, were you worried that you're like, oh, this was, this was like my thing. This was magic. Yeah. And I don't think I'm going to feel this way again. I mean, I'm sure I'll work. I'm sure there's going to be matches. There's going to be gigs. There's going to be this, but I'm not going to have that place that we can create magic here. This is my home. This is, mm. we're, we're creating here. We're not, I'm not just going and working a spot. Right. Right. Were you worried that that was gone when Jersey All Pro was gone? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, when Jersey All Pro went through their uh, through their phase of, like you said, petering out, uh, I was worried because I wasn't working on a national level. I wasn't traveling mm -hmm. all around the country. Mm -hmm. I was either working for Jersey All Pro and Progressive Syndicate and um ace mm -hmm. so that's that's all i had that's a third right there jersey all from comes away that's that's a big chunk yeah that's all i had so I like, oh man I like, that was a big blow mm -hmm. to indie wrestling especially because jersey all pro up until the very end one of the dependable and at this time right this is not the indie wrestling boom that we're in now. Like, it was not a guarantee. It was a difficult thing to run an independent wrestling promotion in that sort of end of the first decade of the 2000s into the second decade. Like, 2008 to 2012, 2013, it was not an easy time on the independents. Um, and having Jersey All-Pro there consistently running every single month to good crowds. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't much like that going on then. Yeah. Right, yeah, and a lot of buildings, a lot of other, a couple other promotions tried to run the building, and they just, it wasn't the same buzz. Mm -mm, mm -mm. It yeah, was not the same. But interestingly, and this is a great story, and obviously Pat Buck has been on podcast a couple of times, but mm -hmm. Pro Wrestling Syndicate is another uh, company, an independent company that's running same time as Jersey All Pro, and continues on after Jersey All Pro. Pro Wrestling Syndicate starts running more regularly, starts to get a little bit more organized, a little bit more cohesive, starts to have these storylines like we talked about. Pat Buck gets involved with Pro Wrestling Syndicate, which I believe that's how you met Pat, correct? Yes. Pro Wrestling Syndicate, the owner and Pat end up parting ways. Mm -hmm. The original owner is going to get to keep whatever Pro Wrestling Syndicate becomes, and Pat Buck is going over here to start this company called WrestlePro. And the plan for WrestlePro is to run consistently, you know, hopefully every month, and to run the old Rawway Rec Center that Jersey All Pro used to run. And here you are at the top of the bill. At the top of the bill as a key figure in we want you to kind of be the lifeblood of WrestlePro. Yeah. I mean it's I, I I it's wild. And I was 
almost the way that you've just said it. Pat mm-hmm. came to me in practice one day. Yeah. He said, hey, listen, say I talked to you. I said, what's up? He talked to me and he talked to Mo. He said, this, this, this is happening. Which, by the way, I mean, it's so funny that you bring up like Mo Sexton, Mario Bocara, who is, is big in WrestlePro, is this whole other thing. But I'm sitting here going, you mean Mo Sexton from the Southside Players Club? You mean that Mo? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like these, yeah. are, these are all... The, and that's what I mean about, about uh, never knowing the people yeah. you encounter, the people that you end up with a relationship yeah. with. Like, maybe they won't show up next month and you'll never see them again. Maybe they'll be around for the next... 15 years maybe you'll know him for the rest of your life right yeah maybe you'll become part of their lives you know? right exactly i mean listen because of wrestle pro i was i was in pat bunk's wedding mm-hmm. um myself and mario walker are best friends we consider ourselves brothers mm-hmm. um sean donovan and myself excellent best friends mm-hmm. um i have a godson mm-hmm. uh, i'm godfather to craig Steele's son so it's you know that building that company has meant so much to me yeah and is that where you first started training too or were you training before i was training i was working on teaching other people in other places but never to the extent like there right where past it listen this is my coach so um they said i had practice and pat said listen this is happening um we're gonna split up and this and this and this is gonna happen and i need to know like where my guys are and without hesitation i said to him, i looked at him and i said brother i said you have my support a thousand percent I'll go to war with you right now. I'll run, I'll run through a fire with you. How did? What was it about Pat that gave you that feeling? Because like you said, it's he not... never lied to me. Yeah, because you hadn't known him for 20 years. Pat never lied to me. Pat's always been... Like, Pat's always looked at me in the eye, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. He's looked at me in the eye. He's never lied to me. Ever. Mm-hmm. Ever, ever, ever. And whatever Pat has said to me, he's delivered. Always. And I learned so much from Pat. I learned a lot about character. Not not always answering or doing what your heart tells you to do. Sometimes sometimes doing the right thing really, really stinks. Mm-hmm. But you have to do it. Right. And those are certain qualities that I learned from Pat that I didn't even learn like from my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, where uh, it's like, hey, man, I was already a grown man, but there were certain man qualities that I needed to learn, like that of, hey, you just can't, like, blow off steam just because you're a 300-pound gorilla. (laughs) And half the room is scared of you. You know, you just can't rule by force all the time. Sometimes you have to do, sometimes the right thing to do is to sit back and... Let things breathe, let things happen, and uh, you know sometimes doing the right thing isn't always the the most fun option. Right. 
Yeah, in your head, you're like, I could, I can take care of this in five seconds right. if I just yell and intimidate. Everybody will shut up and they'll just do what I say. But then you'll be a, the topic of negative press. One hundred percent for six months. Right. So that's where Pat really took me. In. I sat under his tree and I learned a lot from him at Hawkins. Yeah. Um, you know, so like I said I'm grateful. Yeah, because I mean, I turned my career around, man. And I mean, I don't know if you guys remember this or not, because we we've talked to Hawkins about it before on the podcast. But that, however long it was, year or two that he was gone from WWE, he was a huge part of WrestlePro. Yeah, Hawkins was. I mean, yes. he he created Pro Hawkins School. He created with Pat, which is in conjunction with WrestlePro, which is in conjunction with the school that you started, started teaching. Yeah, in Rawway, like there's the Long Island School and there's the Rawway School, yeah. right? Right. So when you get the call and Ring of Honor goes, hey, man, remember us? <laughs> and goes like, you know, we're, we're, we're interested. First of all, how did you find out that after all this time, Ring of Honor wants you? And second of all, how did you feel knowing that, yes, this might be the best news of your life, but at the same time, it means... Kind of stepping away from this thing that you've been building. Well, it's funny because a few months ago, I had a text to Pat. I said, Pat, I don't know why I'm still doing this. I said, I think I'm just going to finish the year out, man. I'm just going to go home. You know? <laughs> That's so funny. I'm laughing because it's not the first time even recently that I've talked to somebody yeah. who's told me the exact same thing. I think I'm going to finish this year out and then they end up getting a call from somebody and it changes everything. But go on. I didn't mean to interrupt you. And Pat said to me, don't you dare. <laughs> says, don't quit. Don't give up. Mm -hmm. First of all, it's not you. Second of all, that's not what we've worked on. There's so much left to do, and wrestling is going through a boom right now. And there's so many opportunities out there. This is your year. Something's gonna happen. Something's gotta happen, dude. You're too good to be left out here. Something is gonna happen. I guarantee you, something's gonna happen. Again, okay. <laughs> All right. And uh, Pat's never wrong. He's not. He's not. <laughs> yeah. Next thing you know, uh, Kevin Matthews uh, calls me. He said, hey, Scott Demore, uh, is wants, wants to talk to you. Mm -hmm. I said, really? He said, yeah, man, they want to talk. You know, sounds on the table. They're ready to roll. I said, cool. Speak to Scott. We're all set. We're ready to go. You know, Scott's obviously running things at impact. Right. Right. We're ready to go. Okay, yeah, we're going to go with this, man. Here we go. Mm -hmm. This is what's going to happen. And okay, we're two weeks away. Mm -hmm. My phone rings. It's called Cabana. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, buddy. <laughs> so it's uncle. By the way, doing? another friend that I'm sure you met years ago yeah. that who know, and now here he is. Yeah. What you doing? He's like, I'm talking to you. <laughs> he says, hey, are you available such and such date? I said, yeah. As a matter of fact, I am. He says, uh, good, good. Would you be interested in working uh, PCO? 
I said, oh, yeah, 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 I, yeah I've done that before. Yeah, cool. I said, for who? You guys did it in WrestlePro, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I said, for who? Mm -hmm. Do you mind me asking? He said, oh, Ring of Honor. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> he said, yeah, Ring of Honor. He says, uh, they let me book this show called Uncensored. Unscripted or uncensored. And um, I got 100% of the book, and that's the match I won. I love, because I saw that promo when Colt did the promo and announced the match and everything. I love that that's legit. Yeah. That he really did have control of the book, and he really did call you and the whole thing. But go on. Yeah, he said, well, you know, the office signed off on it, so here I am. <laughs> I said, okay. He said, well, my people are going to call you you. I have no people. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, my people are gonna call your people, and this is how we're gonna. I said, "All right, cool." So I'm like, I'm still like, wait, what? Right? Do you believe it, or are you still like, this is wrestling, and a million things could happen before I get that phone call? So now I'm saying to myself, "Wait a minute, I'm doing this thing on Sunday. <laughs> I was supposed to fight PC on Sunday. Yeah, and." Thursday, I'm supposed to debut on Impact. I said, all right. <laughs> I said, okay. Okay. So I let like, Cole know. He said, oh, no, just don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so I went out there. I said, they flew me out a day early. Ring of Honor did. Yeah, they flew me out to Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. uh, because the match I was going to have with PCO was in... Dean, Ohio. Mm -hmm. So they flew me into Pittsburgh. I mean, why are they flying me into Pittsburgh? Yeah. I'm like, maybe they want promos or something. I don't know. I have no idea. I show up. And I'm looking. And I'm just looking around. Saying, this is not the Ring of Honor I remember. Huge setup. <laughs> Big, huge screens. Giant Trons. This is the production. Yeah. It's a TV show. Like, oh my God. Yeah. This is incredible. Yeah. The team of trucks outside. And I'm like, okay. Wow. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the top. I'm minding my own business. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and you still don't really know why you're there. No. Right. You just show up at a time. And you're there at that time. Yeah. And now I'm going to sit and wait for somebody to tell me why I'm here. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I've known through the years that when you go somewhere like that, you just fly under the radar. You just sit. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't get anybody's way, mm -hmm. but you you don't hide either. Right. So I'm sitting on the uh, second level. and I'm just looking at the setup and I'm admiring everything. And here comes the office. Hey, Dan. <laughs> hey, what's up? I said, uh, remember I told you you didn't have a match tonight? I said, yeah, you have a match tonight. He said, okay. <laughs> I said, all right. He said, yeah. So I'm figuring it's pre-show. Right. I'm like, pre-show? He said, no, 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 main event. What? I said, why? Exactly. That's yeah. Awesome. I said, why? He said, yeah. You're like, you didn't even tell me to bring my gear. I mean, I have it, but. So, yeah, it's, uh, 
you, uh, you, Marty and PCO are teaming up. <laughs> I said, who are we working? I said, oh, you're going to work uh, uh, Colt Cheeseburger and uh, Jeff Cobb. Okay. Oh, God, right? All right. <laughs> so we get up. We get changed. <laughs> yeah, I'm changed. I'm like, I'm thinking myself. Like, oh my God! You know, what's going on again? Am I ready? You know? Yeah. Bad. You know, but went out there. You know, God bless those guys. They uh, they did as much as they could to feature me in that match. Incredible. Very giving souls. All the guys in that match. And uh, it was great, you know. As I hit the ground running, I uh, we went through, we did the finish, and the match was great. You know, and I'm like, wow, I just did this. Oh man! And now the next night, you know, which, by the way, like just the fact that that match happened, that's enough of a high, right? Yeah. Like that's the high you're riding off of. Like I, I just main evented a Ring of Honor show with those right. guys, and that's not even why I'm here. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I come back the next day. Yeah. That's okay. Now you're gonna do this. So right. I look at the card. But where am I on the card? You made it really again. It's PCO. Okay. About hitting the ground running. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. And by the way, hitting the ground running for God knows what, because as far as you were concerned, you were coming to Pittsburgh just to go to Dayton for one match. Yeah. Like that's that's it. And now and now you're getting ready for your second Ring of Honor main event of the weekend. Yeah. So I have the match with PCO. Carl is incredible. Mm-hmm. He's not a human. Mm-hmm. He's not human. No way he's human. I mean, it's incredible to, like... It's not only about, like, the reinvention of the character. Like, thinking about the fact that in 93, I'm watching that guy on Monday Night Raw. And I'm watching him do... Not just the fact that he's a different character. I'm watching him do more with his body. Now. And wrestle longer matches. Now. And be on that other level. Now than he was even then. It's amazing. It's literally amazing. And the fact that he'll do anything. He'll just destroy himself. Yeah. 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 To hurt you. Which is right up your alley, right? (laughs) We're like the perfect opponents for each other. Yeah. I love Carlo. Carlo's a good guy. And uh, getting to know him a little more now is even more of a blessing. Yeah. Because he's one of those people that I'm actually happy that I've gotten to know, like you Mm-hmm. Along the way. Yeah. Um, so I have the match with Carl. And God bless Carl. You know, he did whatever he could to do, you know, for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was awesome. And I came back from the match. You know, was, everybody was clapping and everything. And, you know, it was great. And then we had a meeting right after. So I'm still pulling tax out of my head. <laughs> and we're at a, at a team meeting. And uh, after the team meeting, uh, 
the team leader says, uh, damn off, you know, uh, what can I say? You came in here, you know, after 15 years, 20 years, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you made a man at both nights, and you totally knocked it out of the park. You absolutely killed it. He says, can't say enough about you. No, so the hats off to you. And somebody from the back of the room, to this day, I don't know who it is, says, "Well, give him an effing job." And you're just like, so the rest of the locker room starts chanting, "Yes." Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. Uh, what a difference a decade makes—a couple decades. Yeah. From 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 that first day in that locker room. To having a locker room chanting yes, yes, yes for you. Yeah, and that was probably one of the most humbling experiences of my life, man. Yeah. To have that locker room. <clears throat> Sorry. Well, no, I mean, you don't realize <sighs> yeah. that you have the support that you have until you get that kind of visualization of it right when you're just working your shows and doing your best to get noticed and do good matches you don't know if anybody's noticing or not right but uh team leader stopped and he said uh okay he says i don't do this i don't do this type of thing normally and this isn't a thing these are things that are really done in private, he says, but he's like, uh, let's just do it out in public. He says, do you guys think Dan Mom deserves a job here? <laughs> and they just started chanting, yes, yeah, even louder. And then he's like, he's like well, Dan, he says, you know, if, if you want the job, the job is yours, but, you know, you, we got up, he got up, I walked across the room and shook his hand and the place, the locker room just erupted. Wow. And uh, What a welcome in. Yeah, I said, we're a family here. And, you know, we become part of the family. And uh, that, was, that was one of the most special moments of my career. And uh, I'll never forget it. Yeah. I'll never forget it. I mean, talk about realizing that you're making the right decision. Yeah. You know what I mean? Wow, that's incredible. I don't think anybody's got a story like that about their first time in. But now, Sam, the problem is... Yeah. Yeah, because... Oh, I, I know what's coming be, up on Thursday. I have to be on Thursday. <laughs> so I Which, by the way, wonderful people over there, too. So I immediately uh, you know, spoke to... Uh, I told I, I, I explained the team leader and so I say, hey, you know, I have this thing and I have to be over there. So he says, you honor your commitments. You know, do whatever you gotta do. So Impact reached back to me and said, hey, you know, hope everything went well over there, but uh, are we still good for Thursday? You're like, actually, things went really well over there yeah you know things really really well this is you know is, it, is there any offer or like is so I kind of shared whatever was uh yeah 
was said and uh you know two impacts uh in respect to impact they didn't bs me uh-huh. like, well we can't do that mm-hmm. uh we can't even come in that ballpark i'm assuming you and ring of honor discussed numbers and terms outside of the locker room meeting yes yeah not in front of everybody yes. <laughs> like, yeah, that, yeah, that the negotiation happen. didn't happen right. in front of the locker room right <laughs> so you know impact said to me said this we, we just we can't we can't do that yeah and uh that's good that they didn't string you along right yeah so to me it was a no-brainer um to me i had already felt i had felt the generic rush mm-hmm. it was real mm-hmm. i lived it mm-hmm. and ring of honor is where i wanted to be mm-hmm. and i was like i had no problem calling them back and saying listen i'm I'm not even showing up. This is where I want to be. And, uh, it's been, you know, we have, again, I've hit the ground running. Yeah, you kidding me? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, and you're back there, and you're, and you're there working with Jeff Cobb, teaming with Jeff Cobb. I mean, it's, it's, they're calling us Thanos and Hulk. It's been amazing. How is he, by the way? Because, I mean, I, I find him to be one of the most interesting to watch performers in the world. He's the most freakishly strong human being I've ever met in my life. I'll bet. Yeah. I'll bet. Man. So strong. Well, that is... Such a nice, such a kind demeanor. Mm-hmm. But so strong. I guess you can be when you're that strong. Yeah. You can be as nice as you want yeah. when you're the strongest guy in the room. I also, I got him into... Uh, Sour Patch uh, Octopus Gummy Bear. <laughs> That's an accomplishment. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's like getting Jeff Cobb to eat sweets is an accomplishment. So, you know, what, what's it been? Two, three weekends on the road with Ring of Honor that you've done? Uh, it was my first one, which was the whole Pittsburgh day. Right. It was the... Uh, Baltimore, the Philadelphia loop, and now it's this one. So this will be my third, third loop. Yeah. And are you loving it? I absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've been reborn again. Is it wild to you after all these years to have the security that comes with being a contracted performer? You know, I don't know if people can really appreciate and I'm sure you know you think about your own jobs you know the fact that you know that you are there to perform you're there to show up to wrestle you're wanted there you have a contract that you're going to be able to show up to wrestle there for however long the contract is you know what I mean is there a sort of weight off your shoulders with the whole thing Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's like, okay, you know, here we go. It's like working and taking nothing away from any company that I've ever worked for. Of course. But now it's like this, okay, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. The production trucks are here. Yeah. Production is here. You know, this is real. There's a catering. 
Yeah. Yeah. Disney catering. Um, you know, top notch, you know, um travel. You know. We might finally see a Dan Moth action figure. Yeah. Right? You know, that would be a after all that we might actually see. Can you listen to this? A Dan Moth action figure. <laughs> well, right. I mean, man, you know how much I love this story. And uh I'm glad we were able to to sit down and tell it. Um and we should do this again, man. This is this has been really good. Yeah. And congrats. I mean, congrats on everything. I'm sure you know. Thank you. Thank you. How happy I and it seems like everybody is for you because it's nice to see. It's nice to see good things happen to good people, and it's good for everybody to watch somebody who deserves it as much as you. Get it. Thank you, sir. You know what I mean. And I think that it's a great lesson. If there's any takeaway, it's don't quit. Don't man, quit. don't quit. Tough times don't last. Tough people do. That's it, man. Don't give up. Always show up with a smile on your face. Yeah. And always do your job the best you can. Yep. And that's what you do. And watch Ring of Honor. That's <laughs> and that's the other lesson. Watch Ring of Honor and see Dan Moth on an international scale. Yeah. Clean house. Yep. And, by the way... You guys got Marty Scroll resigned. That's pretty good news for you too. That's, that's not yeah. that's not a bad little signing you guys got. That's, that's pretty that's pretty pretty that's, that's pretty, pretty and cool right Pretty there. good, pretty yeah. good. It looks like it's gonna be a not too bad year for Ring of Honor. Yeah, the villain is going nowhere. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, man. Sam. Thank you so much, my friend. I love the place. I love you. And uh cheers to you, man. And how you've evolved and how you've grown and how you've uh moved on from holding a microphone in front of a jp uh yeah well i appreciate that but if 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 ring of honor ever runs the Rawway rec center i want to come down and do promos you got that's done done deal thanks man (laughs) all right man thanks for listening Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.